Okay, so I have been preaching, I think, since 1992. Maybe 93. History is fuzzy. But if it's 92, that's 25 years. And I just took four weeks off and didn't preach for four weeks. That's a first in 25 years. So today it's going to go one of two ways. Either I forgot how to do this and you're going to have to pay the price to retrain me. Or this one's going to be awesome. Because I've had four weeks to prepare. I have no idea which way it's going to go. I can't wait to find out. But I have a question for you. How will you live? As I was preparing for this song, this sermon, there was a song going through my head. Everybody's living for the weekend. You know that song? Remember that one? And, you know, the point of that is... We hate work, but we go there to get money. So on the weekend, we can have a good time and live large. Living for the weekend. Now, Harley has this shirt and this logo that says, uh, Live to ride, ride to live. So if you got a motorcycle, you're living to ride. Now, some people are living for their family. Other people are living for their retirement. You know, as you get older and you watch that fictional retirement account get bigger and bigger and bigger, boy, doesn't that feel good? I don't know. I'll take your word for it. I don't have one. Um, some people are living for others. Sacrificially just helping people around. Some are uh, living for fun. I live to fish. I live to hunt. I live to make quilts. I live to embroider. I live to bake. What do people you know live for? What are they living for? Um, what are you living for? So the first... Uh, forgot my clicker. Did I lay it down someplace? Did I lay it down? I'll find it. I don't see it. I got your attention. Hey, you know what? Somebody hit it on this stand. Right next to my Easter eggs. I would tell you that all these, these category of people that I'm talking about that are living for the weekend or living to ride or living to hunt or living for their kids or living for their grandkids or living for retirement or living for anything like that all falls under the category of living for me. I'm living for me. Now, you say, well, living for my kids isn't living for me. Yeah, it is. It is. Why do you want your kids to be such and have so good? So you feel good about yourself and about them. Well, I'm living to do good to other people. Why? <laughs> Makes you feel good about yourself and who you are. So I know you could argue with me, and all the way through here, you can argue about words with me. And you may not like the words I use, and that's okay. You don't have to like my living for me. I want you to understand the concept of what this is. I determine what I do. 
Now, see, you would say, well, no, I don't because other people determine what I do. And no, they don't. No. They, they influence you, and then you choose how you're going to respond. See what I'm saying? So we like to think that I'm a helpless victim in life, and that I'm just doing what I had to do. And that's just not true. You're always doing what you chose to do. Even if you didn't choose. Because, right, you have options and things you can choose in this life. And to not choose is a choice. It's, it's still a choice you made. So, what will I do today? I've got this afternoon and this evening in front of me. What are you going to do? Well, if the weather was nice, I might go fishing. Or if my heart doctor wouldn't throw a fit, I might go ride my bike. Or maybe I'd mow the yard, or maybe I'll take a nap. Or maybe I'll bake some stuff, or clean something, or work in the, in the shop. What am I going to do today? And where will I go? And what's going to happen, and how will I respond? People in this category are working that out. They got a strategy and a plan, even if it's a really bad strategy and really a bad plan. They've got a strategy and a plan of what am I going to do and how am I going to do it and what's going to happen. And I need some extra money because I've got some bills coming up, so today I'm going to go do this to work and make some money so that this can come out right. You follow with me what I'm saying here about people that live for themselves? They see opportunities, they see problems, they see tragedies, they see great excitement, and they work out a scheme and a plan to follow through and make life work for them. Because they're in control. And, and see, we don't like to come to that conclusion that I'm in control. It's much better for me to be a victim than for me to be in control. Because if I'm a victim, that means it's somebody else's fault the reason I'm where I'm at. And man, that makes me feel much better, doesn't it you? To know that I'm not to blame. Well, I hate to be the bubble popper. But you've done exactly what has been required to get you to this exact point in your life. Everything that's been needed to happen, that's exactly what you did to get you where you are. As Emerson Eggridge says, my response is my responsibility. You make me so mad. It's not true. What is true is I choose to respond in anger at what you did. Many people I know, and I'm not, I don't want to be judgmental, I'm just saying there's a group of people that sometimes I'm in that group that are living for themselves. You know anybody like that? Maybe you're like that, living for yourself. And I want to talk today about some alternatives to living by yourself, living for yourself. It, it's one that I think most of us have chosen, or at least we, we have hoped in and hoped for. 
And it is not working. <laughs> Who knew that after four weeks off, what I wouldn't know how to do is run the remote? <laughs> Living for Jesus. Is there anything more Christian we could say than living for Jesus? I can even probably quote you most of an old hymn. Living for Jesus, a life that is true. Faithful and allegiant in all that I do. It's an old hymn, Living for Jesus. It's a great song. As a matter of fact, it's a great thing to live for Jesus. Um, no longer living for myself. Imagine a throne and who's sitting on the throne of your heart and of your life and of the kingdom that is your domain. It used to be me and then I became a follower of Jesus and I got up from that seat said, Jesus, you, you sit in the throne. I'm living for Jesus. Um, see, that's still my choice, right? To live for Jesus because he loves me. <laughs> that's all right. So I used to be the king of my life. And then I met Jesus. And I surrendered myself to Jesus to let him be king of my life. Now, Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. But that doesn't mean that he's king of your life unless you declare him to be so. Right? Here's the thing I can tell you about God above all things. God is a gentleman. He will not force you to decide to follow him. He always gives you that option and offers. Will you come follow me? And, and so, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I'm able to sacrifice me and myself and let Jesus ascend to the throne of my heart. So that instead of living for me and doing what I want, I now live for Jesus and do what Jesus wants. Um, when I'm faced with a decision like, what will I do this afternoon? Instead of saying, well, here's what I want to do, and I think this is the right thing. Living for Jesus says, what would Jesus have me do? Where would he have me go? What does Jesus want me to do? Just so you know, this is scriptural. 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, that's Jesus. Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Jesus died for me so that I can die with him and he rose again so that I can rise again, live a new life for him, no longer for me. Living for Jesus. Jesus died for me and he lives again so that I can live for Jesus. Like Jesus himself said, not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus prayed. That's our prayer, right? Jesus, how should I pray? 
Our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what Jesus has us pray. God, I want your kingdom to come in my life, in my world, and I want your will to be done in mine. Why do we pray that? Because that's not the way the world works. That's why we pray that, because that's how it works in the kingdom of heaven. So, a surrendered life is a life that follows Jesus. No longer do what I want, I do what Jesus wants. As a follower of Jesus, this is the way you must live. Somehow we think there is this third option between living for me and living for Jesus that is somehow in between where I know Jesus and he's my savior, but I'm still kind of in control of what's going on. Jesus has input about what I should do, and I kind of evaluate my options and choose what I'm going to do. Okay, that's not a middle ground. That's living for me, using Jesus as a source of knowledge and wisdom. That's not living for Jesus. Living for Jesus says, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. If you're a follower of Jesus, living for Jesus is the same thing. That's what it means. A surrendered life. Now I know, and I'm guilty, maybe still guilty today, but in the past, claiming Jesus as my Lord and doing whatever I wanted to. Maybe you find yourself there. And what I would tell you is... God's full of grace and mercy, and I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying that's a terrible way to live. To be claiming Jesus, be claiming a follower of Jesus, and then doing whatever I want. You see, to live for Jesus means I surrender all. Jesus, you are the king. I'll do what you say. I'll do what you want. Um, live for yourself or live for Jesus now here's where we're going to go someplace that probably most of you haven't ever gone before and that's this living for Jesus gone sideways what am I talking about come to Jesus I surrender myself to him he is Lord of my life and, and now it's what would Jesus do and I'll do that begrudgingly half heartedly under my own power and strength um, Somehow when I switch into this, I'm now living for Jesus, I become at risk because my enemy comes to steal things away from me. And it puts me in the mode of, well, let's, let's talk about an earthly example. There's a government around where we live, and they made up some rules about how we should drive. 
Those are the stupidest rules I've ever heard. But I obey them. You know why? Because I don't have the money to pay all the fines that it would cost me if I broke the rules all the time. I do not agree with the rules. I do not support the rules. I don't think they're right. I just obey. Are you that way? 55? Are you kidding me? I could go 80 through here and be safe. Okay, that mentality? That's what I mean. Living for Jesus gone sideways. Jesus says to love your neighbor. Jesus says to forgive those. Jesus says to be full of grace and mercy. And no way. That's dumb. I'm not doing that. But I can't afford to pay the price for not doing it. So I'll do what he wants. That to me describes American Christianity. A bunch of begrudging followers of rules that they think is living for Jesus. Now I said they and them and believe me I'm in that group too. I've been there myself. The where following Jesus comes down to a list of rules of things I must do and things I cannot do and whether I agree with them or support them or not I have to do it because I don't want to go to hell. Do you ever follow Jesus that way? Because I sure have. You know, it can get to the point where we're honoring God with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. Turn the other cheek again? It's ridiculous. Forgive them how many times? Seven times seven? There it is. Fifty. Don't have to forgive now. See that mentality that we have? We read scripture, we find something that describes the kingdom and something that we're supposed to do as a follower of Jesus. And we don't rebel against it outwardly and openly. We just don't give ourselves over to it. I have another example. I always like to use Lana because she has to go home with me anyway. If you're a man or a woman and have been one for a while, you're probably aware of this big controversy regarding the toilet seat. Women believe with all of their heart that the toilet seat should be down. Look, I don't understand it, right? I, I hear all these stories about, well, sometimes it's dark and I go in there and sit down, and if it's not down, I fall in. And I'm thinking, seriously, you will drop your pants and sit down without looking? That's not the person I know anywhere else. I don't understand, right? So, for years, I lived for myself regarding the toilet seat. And I did whatever I wanted to with the toilet seat. I got to put it up, she can put it down. I don't care. Well, you know, that didn't go well. So eventually I changed and I began to live for Lana instead of live for me. And Lana was much happier when the seat was down. But do you know how I got even with her? I put the lid down too. 
<laughs> there you go. That teaches her, right? <laughs> Living for Jesus gone sideways. I'm doing what she asked, kind of. But my heart's not in it, right? In fact, every time I do it, I get to jab her a little bit because she's got to pick the lid up every time now. See how we, maybe, maybe you can see yourself in that and the way that you follow Jesus. I know Jesus wants me to do something. I just really don't want to do it. But I'm going to do it anyway because, well, I can't face the consequences of not doing it. So I've got to live for Jesus because I'm stuck. And that's what I'm talking about when I say living for Jesus gone sideways. That I'm stuck doing the right thing, darn it, but I'll do it anyway. Or maybe I'll fall back into living for me and say, sorry Jesus, not happening today, I'm doing this. And I want to describe to you this morning another way to live. The way to live that I believe is what God has called us to. Living with Jesus. As opposed to living for Jesus. Now, I will be the first one to confess that living with Jesus is an umbrella that includes living for Jesus. I don't get out of that. Okay? But this is a whole other uh, view of my relationship with Jesus. Am I under obligation to obey Jesus? I am. But I don't view it as an obligation. Right? He loves me. I love him. The things that he wants for me are good and pure and right. And because of what he did to love me, my response is to love him back. And as a result of loving Jesus, I do what he asked me. You see, it's not that I do what he asked so that I can show him that I love him. See, it's not that I obey so that I love him. It is that I love him, therefore I obey. So here we are back at the toilet seat. When I truly love Lana, I don't understand the toilet seat thing yet, okay? I'm not trying to declare that I understand it. I'm just saying she wants the seat down. And because I love her, I sometimes, almost always, usually put the seat down. Why is this fresh? Because I had heart surgery and it was really hard to bend over and pick up the toilet seat. So we had a temporary suspension of the parliamentary rules on toilet seats. <laughs> but now that's over and we're back to the toilet seat goes down. Not because I understand the rule. Not because I necessarily think it's the right thing or, or that it makes any sense to me. 
But it's because it's what Lana wants. Now, Lana's not Jesus, right? And Lana's rule is silly. Jesus isn't like that. His rules aren't silly. No offense to Lana in the toilet seat. It's just a man and woman thing, right? Jesus isn't like that. I know that the, the things that Jesus has said I should do are the best way to do things. I may not fully grasp it or know why, but I trust the heart of Jesus. And if the heart of Jesus says, hey, Tony, turn the other cheek. All right. All right, I'll turn the other cheek. If the heart of Jesus says, if somebody asks you for your shirt, give me your coat too. Can you trust Jesus? Yeah, I can trust Jesus. Well, what am I going to do for a shirt and a coat? <coughs> Jesus said, you know all those flowers out in the meadow and how beautiful they are? They don't spin or toil or do anything and God takes care of them. You don't think God will take care of you? He knows how many hairs are on your head. And for some of us, that's a real busy job of keeping track of the hairs on our head. They're coming and going like crazy. And he knows how many there are. You see, if, if Jesus is a prophet, and a good man, and a good teacher, and if Jesus is the example of what it looks like to live for as a child of God, then I should live for him. But if Jesus is the one who gave his very life for me so that I could have life, then I want to live with him. He'll, he'll never leave me or forsake me. Last week we had Easter part two where we sang all these resurrection songs about Jesus being alive. Now, see, I really believe that. I don't just think that's a story or part of the line. I believe that Jesus is alive. You know what happened after he raised from the dead? Well, some of them stuck their fingers through the hole in his hand. A real hand with a real hole. Talk about body piercing. Jesus ate with them after he raised from the dead opened his mouth and chewed up food see this is not Jesus is alive I know Jesus is alive because he lives within my heart okay that can get sideways too yes Jesus lives within my heart but that's not why Jesus is alive Jesus is alive and can therefore live in my heart Jesus is alive 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 as much as you are alive Jesus is alive and if Jesus is alive, then he said that he would live through me and live in me and live with me. And that's the offer of the kingdom today is that I can live with Jesus while I am living for him. I'm living with him and then I'm living for him. Without the with part, the for part is really sketchy. And at risk. Um, Jesus wants to live with me. Philippians 3, 7, verse 11. Paul, you know, you know Paul. 
Paul, who was an up-and-comer in the Jewish religion, when Saul was stoned, Paul was there holding everybody's coats. And, and then, in the great dispersal of the church and the persecution of the church, Paul went out and killed and imprisoned Christians. Saul, at the time. And then, he met Jesus. And the killer of Christians became an apostle to the Christians. And, and he wrote most of the New Testament. That's that guy, Saul, Paul. He was going to be a Pharisee, a great leader in the church, the, the uh, Hebrew religion. And then he met Jesus. <laughs> so this is like a, a, a Nazi who was killing uh, Jews now becomes a Jew and lives with them as their rescuer and their savior. That's kind of what that would be like. So here Paul said this, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of their surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. That's Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. What's Paul say he wants? I want to know Jesus. I want to know him. For you King James fans, back in the garden, Adam and Eve, the King James version is, Adam knew his wife and she bore a son. Okay, now don't go weird on that, but what I'm saying is, the idea of knowing is intimate relationship. Adam knew his wife. Paul wants to know Jesus. The, the way that after 35 years, I know Lana. And I know what she wants with the toilet seat. I know Jesus. I know him. And I want to know him more. More and more. What do I want to do this afternoon? <laughs> I want to know Jesus more. That's what I want. I want to be in intimate union with Jesus. Now, I know that's weird. And I'm a weirdo. Guilty as charged. But here's what I know. About seven weeks ago, it was determined that I was going to have heart surgery. <laughs> They're going to split my chest open, stop my heart, deflate my lungs, do some cutting and stitching and sewing, and then put it all back together and wake me back up. And I can tell you the only way that I could approach that or get through that and actually live is because of living with Jesus and not for him. I'm living for him, but with him. Jesus was with me every step of the way. 
for you that don't know, that was my first surgery, except for one I had in 1959 that I don't remember. I don't like needles. I don't like doctors. I don't like hospitals. I don't like giving up control of things. I don't like any of that stuff. It's not what I choose. Except going through this event with Jesus changed everything. Jesus, I don't have any clue about how to pick the right surgeon. I give that to you and I trust you to pick the right surgeon. So I get the dead ringer at KU, the one everybody wants. I never heard of him before, but that's what I found out who he was. How did that happen? I don't know. I can tell you the old Tony would have been on the Google saying, which are the five surgeons and what's their ratings and which one am I going to choose and I'm going to make sure that's the one I get. I didn't do that. Jesus, I trust you to provide. Well, when are we going to have the surgery? Because i got to make sure and get this, okay. I went to see the surgeon. I said, Jesus, I trust you with the date. We met with the surgeon like on Tuesday. And he said, would Monday work? Yes, Monday works well. Perfect. Then I show up on Monday. What's going to happen? I don't know. Might have been a good time to freak out and start taking control of things. Except I didn't. Because I'm living with Jesus. Jesus, I give you control. Whatever happens, I'm good. It'd be fine. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Whatever, whatever you got for me, I'm in. In all the movies and everything I ever saw, there's always, okay, count backwards from 100. My last memory is... Seeing my wife and my mother and my sister and them saying, we'll see you after the surgery. You know that room where they prep you and then roll you down the hall? I don't remember anything after that. Nothing. Next thing I know, I'm gagging with some tube in my mouth. Right? Now, what and why? Not I don't know. But Jesus is good, you know. And I'm, I'm gagging here trying to get this tube out of my throat. And I hear somebody say, it's all right, Tony, you're, you're coming out of surgery. And squeeze my hand and squeeze my hand. I did that, and then I hear Lana's voice. And I realize, I can breathe with this tube in my mouth. I'm not gagging, it just feels like it. So I went back to sleep and woke up later. The point is, the best experience you can hope to have for in this life comes from living with Jesus. He's with me all the way. He's still with me today. He's with you. And what he desires is intimate relationship with you. I used to read verses like pray without ceasing and say, how in the world can I do that? And then I realized that what that means is Jesus wants to just live with me. What should I do here, Jesus? How should I respond here? Which route should I take to get to where I'm going? Jesus, what do you say? It's, it's not like I meet with Jesus on Sunday and he sends me out for the week where I'm on my own to live for him and then I come back next Sunday to get another set of instructions. That's the way I used to live. And that went south many, many times. 
Now, Jesus is with me here at church, and Jesus is with me when we leave. And wherever we go to eat lunch or if we don't eat lunch, Jesus is with me there too. And if I take a nap or don't take a nap, Jesus, what do you want me to do this afternoon? You see the difference between living for Jesus, which is a life full of rules and obligations and distance, and living with Jesus, that he is with me every moment of every day. And no matter where he leads me, I'm in because I trust him, because he loves me, and I love him back. And, and that, to me, is what it means to live with Jesus. And the question for you is, how will you live? And it comes down to there's two categories, really. You can live without Jesus. Or live with Jesus. Is it possible to live for Jesus without Jesus? <laughs> yes. It's called religion. Of course you can try to do what Jesus, you know, what would Jesus do? You can remind yourself and you can read your scripture and figure out what all the rules are and do all of that and then try to live as Jesus would live. You can do that without Jesus. There's no life or freedom in it. But you can do it. Or you can say, forget you, Jesus. I got other plans and I'm going to do my own thing today. You can live that way. Doesn't bring life and freedom. But you can live that way. But you also have a, an offer on the table of living a totally different way. Living with Jesus. I surrender all to you, Jesus. I love you. I'll do what you want. Because I love you. Not because I'm trying to impress you or because I'm trying to earn favor or because I'm trying to negotiate a better deal. Jesus, I'll give $100 in the offering if you'll just help me get a promotion at work. No. Two totally separate issues, right? Jesus, how much should I put in the offering plate? Jesus, what do you want me to do at work? It's life and it's freedom. And here's the thing about God, who is all about free will. You can live for yourself. You can live for Jesus, or you can live with Jesus. Your choice. He will not make you do any of those things. That's what free will means. You have the ability and the power to choose which you will do. And so no matter where you find yourself today, in the question of how you're living, the offer is this. You can move closer to Jesus. You can live with him more than you ever had. More moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, living with Jesus. The King of kings and Lord of lords wants to be intimate with you. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. I no longer call you my servants, I call you my friends. 
See how this is moving closer and closer? It's what Jesus wants. And that's the invitation and the offer today. No matter where you're at, come closer to Jesus. Come closer. Move in closer. Get to know him a little better today. That you may know Christ. And what it, lives, what it means to live in the resurrection with Jesus. That's the offer. How will you respond? Jesus, oh Jesus, I pray that you would send your spirit to each one of us. That the spirit, your spirit, Jesus, would reveal something more about Jesus. That we would know him better. That we would move closer to him. And move closer. Jesus, it's my desire to live with you. Every moment of my day, every moment of my life, you, Jesus, you are the hero of this story. It's not about me. It is about you. So I give myself to you completely, Jesus. I love you. And I choose to live with you. That you could live your life through me for the hope of the coming kingdom. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.